It's not about the nail. I think uh, one of the struggles we've had in the church is we're looking at the world around us and we see a nail and we keep trying to point out the nail. And what people are saying is, I just need you to get to know me. I need you to listen. And everything in us is screaming, if you would just deal with the nail. Have you ever felt like that with somebody that you've been meeting with and you want to point it out what the problem is? And I think in the church, we've often been very well-intentioned in wanting to do this. But it only comes across as being judgmental. Because we are not in relationship with people. In this case, there's a relationship going on there. I love the fun, lighthearted nature of this. But I think the church has become, um, dare I use the word notorious, in our world for basically just saying, you got, you got a nail in your head. And people are kind of saying, it's not about the nail. And then we don't know what to do. <clears throat> and we wrestle with how do we interact with people? How do we love people? Um, at the same time, knowing that there's things that people need to be freed from and released from. And this was not un unusual to our time. It's something that humanity has wrestled with for all time. And I love the teaching that Jesus gives today. As we're walking through Luke chapter 6, last week we looked at enemy love and this polarized world in which we live. And Jesus is saying we need to embrace people who are on the other side, who we need to stop othering them and actually be open to them and hear from them, receive from them, and listen. And then we want to carry on in verses, verse 37 down to 42, but I actually want to jump back to verse 35 in Luke chapter 6 that we ended last week on, where Luke writes this in recording the teaching of Jesus. God is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. And you must be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. And then he carries on. So don't judge others and you will not be judged. Don't condemn others or it will all come back against you. Forgive others and you will be forgiven. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over, poured into your lap, and the amount you give will determine the amount you get back. And then Jesus gave them this following illustration. Can one blind person lead another? Won't they both fall into a ditch? And students aren't greater than their teacher, but the student who is fully trained will become like their teacher. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying, friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you can see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. I love this teaching. It's not, it's, it's not far off of you've got a nail in your head. But the whole time you're saying it, there's a train rail sticking out of yours. That's effectively what Jesus 
is doing here in helping us um, come to terms with might, what might be good intentions but are often not received that way. And this passage starts with God is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be compassionate like God is compassionate. And I don't think we need, we can't, we can't separate this passage about judgment from what has come right before it. When Jesus is encouraging us to pursue enemy love, to actually wade into those challenging waters of loving those who are different than us. And he says, remember this. Can you remember this? God is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. God is compassionate. And you can also be compassionate. And then he just carries on. Don't judge others and you won't be judged. And so often when we see a nail on someone's head, we want to start with the nail. And we want to point out the obvious. And to us, it's obvious. The problem is when you are not in relationship with an individual or when we are not in relationship with a group of people and we point out the nail, no matter how good our intentions are, it is only received negatively as being judgmental. Don't start with judgment. I think Jesus is just encouraging us. Don't start with what the problem is that you seem to think is so obvious. Even for those that would say, uh, you know, Jesus sets people free from sin and he told the woman, go and sin no more. In every single case, Jesus goes to people and he just simply is with them. He is in relationship. He is close to. He is associating with. He is hanging out with them. And somehow... In the midst of being with them, he's able to have all kinds of conversations with them and call them to things. And it's never taken as being judgmental. Because he doesn't start with pointing out the nail. He starts with embracing the individual or embracing the group. And this idea that God is Kind to the unthankful and the wicked is, I think, the model that leads us into this idea of learning how not to be a judgmental community or a judgmental individual is starting with the model that he has set for us of embracing others, of being with others, of engaging with them where they are at. And in the midst of that relationship, having the opportunity to journey together. I don't know if you have um, come across them or bumped into them or not, but uh, recently I've uh, developed a relationship with a couple that are often outside shoppers, um, and they've got the shopping cart there, Shoppers Drug Mart, and they've got the sign that says homeless. And, and I wonder when you've seen people like that in the past, if you've ever just had this sense of, I don't know how they got there, but so often it just seems like if they would just ask for help and be willing to put forth a little bit of effort and stop spending their money on things that are a waste of money, they could be so much better off. And I don't know if you've ever found yourself 
thinking that way about people that are homeless when you see them, just as an example of the thoughts and the attitudes that we have that, um, that permeate uh, our thinking and influence our behavior towards people like that. And we look at them and we see the nail in their forehead and we think it's so obvious and, and our temptation is to just want to point out some of these things and feel like it could be so easy to fix and so simple to take care of. And what they, what they don't need is for us to do that. What they do need is compassion and kindness because God is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. He is a God of compassion for all. And that is our model. So rather than starting with judgment, maybe, maybe we start with relationship or we start with serving them. As we talked about last week, so often the thing that Jesus does is he elevates people, even above himself, in order to serve them. And in so doing, the life change that they need begins to happen. God is kind to those who are ungrateful and wicked. And I don't know about you, but when I read that sentence that God is kind to those who are ungrateful and wicked, I think so often that could describe me. I think it might describe you too. Yes, you and you and you too. Think about the way God sees us, the way God treats us. And these are forceful words, right? Do not judge. Do not condemn. Do not judge. But what about do not judge? But, and hold on to that what about. We'll talk about that in just a moment. There's, for those of you online, there's some person, little kid over here just going like, blah, blah, blah. I've heard it all before, Paul. <laughs> and in the next verses, Jesus says, you have a choice. You have a choice. You can take the teaching of Jesus seriously and follow him and be like your teacher. Or you can ignore his teaching and you can live in the ditches of life. In Matthew 7, um, Matthew has the same teaching in his gospel, in his historical account of Jesus. And in Matthew 7, verse 2, uh, we find Jesus saying this about judgment. The standard that you use in judging other people will be the standard that is used towards you in your own judgment. It's like, whoa. Can I repeat that for you? The standard that you use in judging other people is the standard that will be used towards you. Those are hard-hitting words. When we feel like we need to point out that there's a nail in someone's forehead. And in verse 39 and 40, we're given a choice. You can follow Jesus and be like your teacher, or you can ignore his teaching and be like blind people leading blind people and live in the ditches of life. We can choose to be judgmental and condemning and unforgiving, or we can choose to be characterized by grace 
and mercy and compassion and forgiveness. But the choice is ours. The choice is yours. And no matter how well-intentioned we are, when we point out the faults in other people that we see to be so incredibly obvious, and we are not willing to journey with them, we are not in relationship with them, we are not willing to serve them, the only way it generally gets received is by this, what this picture captures. This, you know, no offense to um, older white men, um, but uh, this is how I think a lot of people in our culture, in Western culture, perceive the church. This is capturing the heart of the church of which we are a part. Because we're getting fixated on the speck in someone's eye or to use our illustration for today, on the nail in people's foreheads. And we go up to them and we point out the nail and we say, Jesus will take that nail out for you. And we even try to grab it and yank it out. But if we're not willing to journey with people and actually start there, the way Jesus modeled that for us, then the only thing that we're doing is we're coming across like this. And we have a choice. What kind of community do we want to continue to become? Sometimes um, I think it's good for us to to do some self-reflection. So we might, I don't know if you've ever found yourself doing this. It's like, I'm not like that. And so I do this uh, workshop. We've done several of them here at New Life. And we talk about these things called core values. And we talk about how your core values are revealed by your behavior. So the things that you hold true and dear are often revealed by your behavior. And so when we do things, they say, I'm not like that. One of the things that we can do in self-reflection is say, what is our behavior indicating? And our behavior often indicates our attitudes and our thinking. And the two kind of go hand in hand. And so if I could talk for a minute about about the behaviors that that we might, uh, that, that we are holding to that might reveal how other people receive us as a community or you as an individual. And let's talk about some of those behaviors. The way we look at, or the way we talk about people often reveals the attitude that we have, whether we're pointing out the nail or whether we're willing to just embrace people and meet them where we're at. The gossip that we might participate in or the mild slander uh, or maligning individuals. And this includes posts on social media. The things that you share the things that, that you might put up there are communicating to the world the attitude we have towards people. So the way we look at them reveals our attitude. The way we, or the way we talk about people, the way we look at them, literally and figuratively. You know what a stink eye is, right? No? 
Just the person that's, that you love the most, do something that annoys them, and you'll understand what stink eye is. So I have graciously helped my wife, Claire, develop a wonderful stink eye <laughs> because I have given her lots of practice over the years. And I know, you know, like when someone looks at you and they are speaking an entire paragraph and you know every single word that they're saying by a fraction of a second look, right? The way we look at people communicates our attitude towards them. The way that we don't look at people communicates our attitude toward them. The way some people end up becoming invisible to us speaks judgment. The way we include people when we're together. The way we pursue people who are not a part of our community. The way we embrace people, especially those who are on the other side, who are against us, who are enemy. All of these behaviors reveal the attitudes that are going on inside, which is why we need to hear the words of Jesus and say, God, search me and know me. Search us and know us and see if there's anything offensive in us that is actually communicating to our brothers and sisters or to the world out there the very opposite of what we really want to be communicating. And I wonder if you've ever found it hard to be gracious with someone. Have you ever found it hard to be gracious with someone? Do you have that one person or a few individuals in your life that when you are with them, it takes a lot of work? And like, yeah, Paul, I was just having coffee with you last week. Um, <clears throat> and, I, and I think as Jesus goes through this passage about judging, there's this realization that that being, being gracious actually takes, takes effort. It takes work. It takes sometimes uh, the work of God in our lives. And I think this is where self-reflection can become so helpful, where Jesus is inviting us in this passage to just look at ourselves first and to do the hard work of self-reflection and to realize that whatever you see wrong in somebody else or in a group of people, it is highly possible that the wrong that is in your own life is far worse Romans chapter 2. If you're familiar with, um, with the Apostle Paul, he wrote a lot of the New Testament. And one of his kind of magnus opus is the book of Romans. And in Romans chapter 1, he talks about people that ignore God in their life and then all the awful things that happen when people ignore God. And, and I think the people who are reading his letter to them are like, yeah, that's right. Those people are awful, evil, wicked people, and they're going to get what they deserve. And then Paul starts the next part of his letter, and this is what he writes in Romans chapter 2. You may think that you can condemn such people, but you are just as bad as them, and you have no excuse. When you say that um, they are wicked and should be punished, you're condemning yourself, for you who judge others do the very same things. And we know that God in his justice will punish anyone who does such things. And since you judge others for doing these things, why, don't you think, why do you think you can avoid God's judgment when you do the very same things? Don't you see how wonderfully kind and tolerant and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? 
Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? I love that Paul just gets right back to God is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. God is a compassionate God. He's been that way to us. And that's the invitation, not only the invitation, but the enabling of God through his spirit that we can be the very same way. We can be a community characterized by grace and love and mercy and forgiveness. N.T. Wright, who's a scholar and a pastor, a bishop in the Church of England, writes this. What people criticize in others is frequently, though not always, what they are subconsciously aware of or afraid of in themselves. The speck and the plank are a classic case of what psychologists call projection. The person knows there's something seriously wrong with his or her own eyes, so tries to avoid the problem by telling someone else there's a tiny problem with theirs. Just because your sin is different from somebody else's doesn't mean it isn't sin. It's just different. So welcome to the community of sinful people who are forgiven and restored and continue to grow into what it means to live a life of full obedience and surrender to Jesus as Lord. The idea is that whenever you... Point out the nail on somebody else's head. Don't forget, there's a train rail sticking out of yours. Whatever you see in them that you find offensive and wrong, it's quite likely that what's going on in you could be a hundred times worse than that. Why worry about the speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you can see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Now, let's come to that what about. Well, what about, Paul? What about when somebody's actually doing something wrong and it needs to be addressed? What are we supposed to do? We can't judge so we don't say anything? But that's not what Jesus is doing here. He gets to this part where he says, get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Sometimes it is about the nail. Sometimes there's a, there's a moment when we need to confront somebody. But I think everything Jesus is saying here is, is really pushing on the motivation of why we're doing that. Why are you needing to go to this person and point this out? What is the motivation of your heart for doing this? How often do we make a big deal out of small things in people's lives? And we get all bent out of shape because of some issue. And yet we're unwilling to journey with them to serve them, to come alongside, and to do the hard work together. And we forget how God treats us with love and mercy and grace over and over and over again. And I think remembering this, what Jesus is pointing out here, remembering how God sees us, remembering how God treats us, makes it possible for us to become the very same kind of person, the very same kind of community. We have a choice to pass judgment and be condemning, or to give. And this verse here, you know, give and you will receive. 
How many of you have ever heard this verse? Give and you will receive, and your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together, make room for more, running over, poured into your lap, and the amount you give will determine the amount you get back. And someone has used that and said, give money. <laughs> give money, and you'll get all this stuff back. And I'm like, uh, no offense, but that's just really stupid interpretation scripture because this passage is all about judgment. And if you're going to give, give grace, give mercy, give forgiveness, and it will come back to you pressed down, shaken together, so there's room for more, poured into your lap and flowing over. In this workshop that we run on interpersonal skills, um, which hopefully we'll be able to run again uh, as we go into the into the autumn. We have people quote a passage of scripture, again from the Apostle Paul, a letter that he wrote to Christians in modern-day Turkey in a city in an area called Kolos. And in chapter 3, he says that he writes to them this, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you might have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. I think what a wonderful uh, description of a community that is filled with the Holy Spirit and is full of grace and mercy and willing to give Give, give. And I think often our motivation is we want to make a difference in this world. And if people would just listen to us pointing out the problem, and if they would just listen to us pointing out the problem, it would make their life so much better. And it seems so intuitive and so good. And yet I think what Jesus models for us is first and foremost just to be with people and to engage them and to journey with them, and in the journey, having the opportunity to then help each other through the issues that we have. In a moment, I want to give you an opportunity, like we did last week, to get into groups of five or six, and to just talk through uh, one question, because it's so easy to talk about these things, and then, and then let you go, and I want to encourage you to to be a presence for each other and to share ideas and, uh, and to think out loud together. And you might be the kind of person that's like, that's not my thing. You, you can be in a group of five or six people and listen, you don't have to talk. Or if you really, you know, just that's not your thing. As we learned a couple months ago, the universal sign of I don't want to talk to you is to pull out your phone. And so in a moment, I'm going to put you into groups. And those of you who are watching at home will put the question up on the screen. And just spend some time, if you're with someone, uh, talking about this question. And if you'd like to process by yourself, totally fine. But take some time to process and answer this question. How do you know if you're being judgmental? So I want to invite you to get into groups of five or six and just want to give you three, four minutes. Don't one person capitalize. Keep your answers short. Share some ideas. We're not critiquing each other's ideas. We're just going to share some ideas. And you can decide whether something is, is helpful or not. And so get into groups of five or six and spend some time talking about this question here. And those of you following at home can do the very same thing. How do you know if you're being judgmental? Okay.
I'm going to look for a couple of volunteers that would just shout out one thing from their group that they found helpful, uh, short and succinct. So let's see if we've got anybody over here on this side. And those of you tracking at home, I'm going to try to, re I'm experimenting a little bit here, so I'll try to repeat what is said. But you're going to have to say it loud enough so I can hear. Anybody on this side? No, they came up with nothing. Okay. How about here, this side here? Okay, so we've got room for improvement in ourselves. Okay. It's human nature to judge everything. It is human nature to judge everything in some ways. Yeah. Okay, so hearing trigger words that are often used for judging people is one way to tell that you're being judgmental, okay? And behind you? That's helpful, Joyce. Yeah, for those of you online and who couldn't hear, it's um, choosing to be thankful for someone um, and finding things to be thankful for in that person is a great way to help against being judgmental. Yeah. One more. We'll come back over here, the side that had nothing. I love it. Yes. Yes, yes. The people you know best are often the people you judge harshest. Yes. True? Yes. When we do our workshop, we have self-evaluations and we give you two columns, you know, for norm, like all the people that we don't know and those closest to us. And we have you evaluate yourself in two different ways. Yes, the people that we know best are often those we are most critical of. And that's why it's so great to be a family together, right? Because we get on each other's nerves and we run around pointing out the, the nails in other people's heads um, and we forget that there's a train rail sticking out of our own. And that's just paraphrasing what Jesus says about the speck in someone's eye when there's a log sticking out of yours. And by the way, for those people that are like, I never hear Jesus being funny or laughing, this is actually comedy. Uh, in that culture at that time, people would be laughing. I mean, it is so absurd, you know, to be trying. You can see a Monty Python sketch here, right, with someone with a little speck, and there's like a guy with a giant tree sticking out of his head is banging him as he's trying to, 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 to pick the little speck out. I mean, this is classic humor used to make such a serious point. You know, we don't want to come across like that old man with his finger in the air. And yet, I think so often that's what people are, are hearing from the church, and particularly in social media right now. I'm going to pick on social media for a little bit. 
and for us to be mindful of journeying with people and being thankful for them. And then having the opportunity to work through our sins and our faults together. Let's pray. God, thank you um, that you are kind to the ungrateful and the wicked, that you are a God who is compassionate to us, that you uh, start with that kind of posture towards us and then invite us as we are filled with your spirit to become that very same kind of people, that very same kind of community. And we know we have a choice. And we don't want to be ditch people. We want to be like our teacher. And we pray that you would allow us much grace and much help in in continuing to be a community that is growing in grace and love and mercy and acceptance and a community that is being transformed more and more into your likeness as with your help and in your tender ways you remove the nails from our heads. We love you and we are so grateful for the chance to be together today. Amen. Before you go, I have just a few announcements. One, um, stay and visit. There's coffee and I think there's squares out there. Uh, If I'm wrong, I'm sorry, but I think there's squares out there. So there's caffeine and sugar. It's all you need in life. Uh, If you are here and you'd like to give today, there's a box at the back. If you want to give online, you can do so, and you can click the the QR QR code there, which will tell you all of that. Um, Father's Day, we mentioned this the other week. Mom's sorry that we couldn't do things for Mother's Day. It just seems so, like, sadly... um, No, uh, what am I trying to say? Um, no surprise that we couldn't do Mother's Day, but dads get to have Father's Day. Um, so we are having a Father's Day barbecue, and we are going to be cooking burgers and stuff outside, but we need to know how many people are coming. We don't want to buy food for, um, for 800, um, knowing that we're only going to have, you know, like uh, 40 or 50 of you. So if you could register online, or if you could even just put your name on the paper out of the Connection Center after the service, that would be helpful. Um, there's a ladies' Bible study that's starting up that you can find out more online, and it's starting here in June, and you can sign up at the Connection Center or sign up online. Uh, there's a Lectio Divina group, which is actually just allowing someone to lead you through the scriptures in a prayerful way Thursday mornings online, 7.30. Again, you could register for that. And then Sunday mornings, I'm just excited that there's people that are wanting to come and pray, 9.15 and to, to about 9.45, 20, 30 minutes. People are gathering together on Sunday morning, and they're praying together. And anybody is welcome to come and be a part of that. So just wanted to let you know about those things and encourage you to participate and uh, enjoy the week, enjoy the day, and uh, have some coffee and sugar on us anytime. See you next week.